Hey there, and welcome to Filmatic. On the first episode in 2020, we will discuss the death of a franchise that rounded out 2019, and that is of course Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. My disappointment of this movie is immeasurable to be frank, and I'm sure many may criticize my zeal with misplaced fanaticism. And while on one hand I say please hear me out, on the other I'm also aware that in order for this to hold weight, it must be orderly and backed. It's for this reason then that I'll be breaking up today's episode into coherent and digestible chunks centered around the films themselves. First off, The Force Awakens, a very bad start. The Last Jedi, an outstanding masterpiece middle, and finally the real meat of the discussion, The Rise of Skywalker, a rather abhorrent movie and end of the Disney revival. I'll be leaving time codes in the description of the podcast. For those wondering about movie news, I decided to forego it for now, barring any big events or needed filler. If that's something you'd like to see come back, please let me know on any social media. First off, let's quickly touch base on the beginning of the new trilogy. The Force Awakens. We got to step back to Disney buying Lucasfilm in 2013 for literally $6 billion. And of course, soon after, we were announced that a sequel trilogy was in the works. And with a twist, with three different set directors attached to their respective movies from the get-go. The first film, The Force Awakens, set to be directed by the very safe choice, people-pleaser, and Star Trek rebooter J.J. Abrams. The movie came out and of course made a buttload of money, and fans were generally pleased, but in my opinion, reskinning a new hope without utilizing any new film techniques or practices and solely relying on audience nostalgia for not only the same plot points, but the same film itself is not a movie I would consider a win. The film's main problems is that it never provides them with a worthy original story to justify going back to the universe. What's worse, The Force Awakens pulls the original trilogy's beloved main characters from the state of happily ever after that we left them in, achieved with plenty of blood, sweat, and tears, and puts them in situations that make you feel like the whole thing just wasn't worth going through in the first place. Case in point, we now find that Han Solo and Princess Leia, couple in one of those senseless, cinematic, marital crises, the result of their child's rebellious ways, and this only serves to spoil our past memories of them. The scenes where Rey and Kylo Ren do battle, and the one where Han Solo meets his fate, demonstrate that this filmmaker did not grasp what his predecessors always did. It was always the characters' journeys by themselves that made the older movies enjoyable, including their falls and heartaches. After all, The Empire Strikes Back is the best film in the series, and also the bleakest. It took aspiring Jedi Luke Skywalker two full entries of the original trilogy, and many a setback, to develop the necessary skills to defeat his famous father. In contrast, having Rey defeat Kylo with relative ease creates no real sense of achievement and really demeans the latter character. The same applies to the sequence where Han is killed by Kylo in such naive fashion. Let's face it, if one is to dispose of an iconic character that's been around for over 38 years, the least that the audience deserves is to have this occur at a climactic moment, and for good enough reason. By the point in The Force Awakens where Han's end actually comes, the movie simply hasn't earned the right to kill him off. I usually have no problems with sequels following certain formulas from its predecessors, but The Force Awakens is more like a remake of A New Hope, and in many instances it feels we are basically watching the same movie. Here again we have a cute but determined droid that has been loaded with valuable information, dropped in a desert type planet, and found by a character who's clearly a diamond in the rough. Their chance encounter will take them on a journey that will conclude with the destroying of a planet buster Death Star, in a battle where dozens of ships will fly in opposite directions without any of them colliding. The villains will be after the same things as their predecessors more or less, but in this case they are made to look not too subtly like Nazis. It is one thing to resort to nostalgia by bringing back an Admiral Ackbar, Chewbacca, and the Millennium Falcon, and another to plagiarize the earlier movie. J.J. Abrams converts any potential new value or smart writing in this movie to what he himself has dubbed mystery boxes, tantalizing answers to questions that he himself has blown up the importance of. Who is Snoke for two and a half hours? Who are her parents? Where did this come from? Oh, something happened here. Lazy and quite honestly infuriating filmmaking at its best. Then what it was the smartest creative decision at Disney in God knows how long, and probably for years to come, they brought on Ryan Johnson, as intended, to create 
The Last Jedi. Scene, Yoda and Luke, together again, observing the fire of the past. We are what they grow beyond. It might just be the line of the saga. A mind-bending master of film and TV media like Breaking Bad and Looper, Johnson created a Star Wars story so incredible and human that in my opinion he redefined the very Star Wars film in and of itself. Johnson burned it to the ground, scorched the earth, he created the rare film made better by its imperfections, tackling the far-reaching consequences and rebuilding opportunities of failure, with disorienting detail and a clumsy, bleeding heart, absorbing the past in all, its in all its pain and poetry to create something wholly new. Instead of the Abrams approach of taking Lucas's images and repurposing them as comforting echoes, Johnson goes back to Lucas's influences, Kurosawa, lean old World War II movies, and all sorts of classical cinema from Wings to the Lady of Shanghai, and uses them to explore ideas that instead lovingly confront the history of Star Wars. He takes the myths and locates the wounds, the kids wrestling with the traumas, responsibilities, and incomplete structures that a previous generation has passed on to them, seeking answers and reflections. The film itself isn't perfect or typical, strangely structured and sometimes messily lurching from sequence to sequence, but instead of doing so out of flat, corporate-mandated exposition, it does so out of a bleeding heart for for its characters who themselves are wrestling with imperfection, with realities that don't conform to the images they've imagined, the ones we've been shown before. It's incredible how this manifests even in the action. Adam Driver's lumbering physicality while swinging a lightsaber is some of the most beautifully awkward choreography in all of mainstream cinema. It's important that no arc here is a straight path, but a series of failed plans and seemingly inconsequential detours that build to a collective of actions by people just trying their best with the feelings and histories that inform them. Hamill delivers maybe my favorite performance of the series as a jaded nihilistic Professor Luke, taking the once optimistic liberal war hero and weighing down with the decades of personal and political failure, an idea Lucas himself was interested in, if the depiction of Jedi institutions in the prequels are any indication. The shame and consequence of a single moment of weakness. It's a complex depiction of fear and regret, and the closest this series has gotten to Empire Strikes Back moving exploration of the bad decisions and pain we're willing to endure for our friends. As badly and righteously as you might want, the past cannot be killed. You can burn it to the ground, but you still have to carry it with you, and eventually pass it on. A battlefield bleeds red, but it all comes back to kids and stories. But hey, god forbid any filmmaker who tries to sneakily fit idiosyncratic images and genuinely interesting character work into one of these, am I right? <sighs> What's important to note here is that the message of this film encapsulates what Star Wars has and should be about. Anyone can be a Jedi, can be a hero, can use the Force, even if you're not a Skywalker, even if you're an enslaved kid on a backwater, grimy casino planet. It could even be you. That is until the rise of Skywalker. We can't begin this chunk without revisiting the others, whether you're still listening or you skipped ahead. Each movie in the latest Star Wars trilogy has been a response to the ones that came before it. If J.J. Abrams' first entry tried to avoid the fate of the ill-reviewed prequel movies by chewing a little too closely onto the plot of the original films, then Ryan Johnson's inventive Last Jedi questioned why fans and directors worshipped the altar of the old IP instead of foraging ahead with something new. If Rey's parents were nobodies, as Johnson tried to establish, that meant that not just the Skywalkers and Palpatines could be heroes and villains these stories, anyone could be a Jedi. Shaking off the dust of past movies allowed for new kind of character arcs and stories, and a path for Rey that didn't fall in step exactly with Luke's before her. Hero Luke Skywalker and villain Kylo Ren don't agree on much, but in that movie, they keep repeating the same sentiment over and over again. Let the past die. 
killed if you have to. Only then could the new cast step outside the original trio's shadows and create something fresh. Johnson's thesis offered a way forward for films too often bogged down by their predecessors, and yet it proved rather unpopular with a small but loud contingent of fans who have put quite a bit of time and energy into their worship of what came before, namely Mark Hamill. The harassment targeted at Johnson and several of the cast members, most notably Kelly Marie Tran, who was driven from social media by racist and sexist trolls unhappy with the film. What is somewhat surprising, however, is that Abrams seemed to have capitulated to the contingent of fans with the Rise of Skywalker. If Johnson begged the franchise to let the past go, Abrams counters with a movie so obsessed with history that it literally resurrects every important character from the original Lucas trilogy, as Force Ghosts, Memories, or in the case of Palpatine, a sort of Force zombie? The Rise of Skywalker is not just a thematic refutation of what came before. It feels as though Abrams read every critical tweet or online rant in Johnson's mentions from the last two years and answered each one, scene by scene. The tension between the two filmmakers pervades every directorial division. Take the lightsabers. In the last shot of Abrams' The Force Awakens, Ray presents Luke with his old lightsaber. The camera spins around the two figures as they stand for an awkward amount of time staring at each other, epic music swelling in the background. Johnson returns to the same scene in The Last Jedi, but immediately subverts expectations. Luke takes the lightsaber, a prop coveted by fans for decades, and tosses it over his shoulder off a cliff. It's a thesis statement for the rest of the film, out with the old and expected, in with the new and unpredictable. Mad about Johnson's cheekiness? Oh, don't worry, there's a scene in The Rise of Skywalker in which Luke awkwardly explains that he was wrong when he said the Jedi Order needed to end, and that Rey should go confront the big bad Emperor Palpatine to save the Jedi religion. When Rey tries to toss away her lightsaber, Luke scolds her. A Jedi weapons ought to be treated with more respect admonishing his actions in the last movies as much as hers. The Rise of Skywalker even brings back Luke's lightsaber and throws in Leia's never-before-seen lightsaber for good measure. The characters in The Rise of Skywalker quite literally cling to these tokens from the past. Kylo destroyed his Vader-like helmet, a symbol of a childlike obsession with his grandfather, in The Last Jedi, but pieces it back together and resurrects a shrine to his grandfather in The Rise of Skywalker. Abrams brings back Lando Calrissian so he can fly the Millennium Falcon in the galaxy-defining battle of the end of the film, just as he did in Return of the Jedi. Rey flies Luke's old X-Wing. When trying to commune with her son Kylo, Leia holds a medal she gave to Han and Luke at the end of A New Hope. So much for letting the past die. For those who complained that Rey, Finn, and Poe, the new trio, were all split up in the last movie, The Rise of Skywalker features at least three different MacGuffins for them to pursue together. In perhaps the most shameful apparent surrender to toxic fandom, launching Rey with Finn and Poe into space means that Kelly Marie trans Rose's sideline. She stays at home working on ships, uttering only a few lines. The kiss she shared with Finn at the end of the last movies never acknowledged or discussed, it's hard not to see this as a victory for the trolls. And then there's the biggest change of all, Rey's origin story. There was a rather troubling argument circulating that Rey couldn't possibly become such a powerful Jedi, and for those who believe that Rey had to be related to someone we'd seen before in the Star Wars universe in order to ever wield that kind of power, guess what? Abrams retcons Johnson's decision to make Rey a nobody in an incredibly clunky conversation between Kylo and Rey. Kylo awkwardly clarifies that he didn't technically lie to her before when he said her parents were filthy junk traders because her parents were hiding as filthy junk traders. Great dialogue, it was not. And so the truth that Abrams plotted all along is revealed. Ray's father was the son of the evil Emperor Palpatine. No, Ryan Johnson, not anyone can be a powerful Jedi or Sith. Only these two really specific people related to the two most famous families in the galaxy can be the heroes of this story. And how do they reveal Palpatine's return, which should be a massive, plot-shaking franchise twist? Within the opening crawl! And they don't even explain how he's back, they literally say, Somehow Palpatine returned. 
Palpatine is just one of many characters resurrected for the sake of paying homage and wreaking nostalgia to the Lucas films. Chewbacca seems to have died in a crash until it's revealed he was on another hidden ship and survives. C-3PO's memory is wiped and he bids goodbye to his friends until R2-D2 simply restores 3PO's memory backup. Luke, Han, and Leia all make cameos after they've died to help Rey and Kylo along their missions. And Rey and Kylo, too, suddenly have the power to heal and apparently reverse death. Each in turn uses the force to save the other from dying. But being able to bring back any character means death doesn't carry much weight in this universe anymore. What's to say the Emperor couldn't resurrect himself yet again? When Kylo revived Rey at the end of the movie, it wouldn't have been shocking if she had done the same for him, each transferring their life force into each other for the rest of eternity. By refusing to let go of the past, this series has become devoid of meaning or consequence. Abrams has always praised The Last Jedi for its subversions and bold choices, but he also recently told The Times that, quote, I don't think the people go to stores to be told this doesn't matter. The cast similarly seemed to throw Johnson under the bus, with John Boyega intimating The Last Jedi was a hard shoot, Daisy Ridley admitting she cried for joy when Abrams rejoined the film, and Mark Hamill admitting he was demoralized by Johnson's choices. But fans don't make great filmmakers. Their reference for what came before leaves little room for artistry or invention. This movie has broken my notions for this franchise and expectations so much to the point I think I'm just going to freestyle for a little bit. Nothing represents this film more succinctly than the moment where Lando looks directly at the First Order fleet flying towards them and says, I've got a bad feeling about this. It makes absolutely no sense for him to say that he has a bad feeling about something and it's obviously an objectively a bad event. But he says the phrase anyway because that's the famous phrase for the series. It doesn't have to break contextually, it just has to remind the viewing audience of the beloved film Star Wars, which they all know and love. We need to get the dagger. Why? A feeling that the undefied power of the Force offers at any given point. And while I'm on it, I have several questions about what it means to be a Force ghost. If Luke can catch a lightsaber, walk through fire, and lived an X-Wing as a Force Ghost. Force Ghosts are invincible? Why is there a war happening at all? Palpatine, kill Rey! Actually, no, bring her to me. I'll kill her. I actually, no, Rey, you kill me. I'm gonna become so damn powerful when you do it. Oh, fuck, you're actually killing me? Shit, this is destroying me. Shit! Why and how do Leia and Finn know about the Palpatine connection? How long have they known? Is this what Finn was going to tell her when they said they were about to die? And if so, why? And why have they not told her? Why have they not told Poe? What is going on? What is Dark Rey? And why does she have fangs? JJ publicly gave some quote about how casting Kelly Marie Tran was the greatest thing Ryan Johnson ever did for him. If people really thought Rose sucked in The Last Jedi, I feel like their reaction shouldn't be to write her out of the sequel. It should be to write her better in the sequel. Why is the Final Order broadcasting threatening messages that have to be translated? Why is said message Palpatine sends out being dropped in a promo event for Fortnite instead of the film that should be justifying its writing? Speaking of the writing, can I reiterate that Abrams almost seems to be tantalizing viewers with writing that just has the potential to be different and interesting. Oh, hey, Rey murdered Chewbacca with force lightning. What are the implications? What is this show about the power of either side of the force and being irresponsible about the mid- Nope. No, he was on a different transport. Nope. LOL. And finally, I cannot drill in enough just how insulting it is to the very essence of not only Ryan Johnson's film, but the franchise. Double back on Rey's parentage to say that Palpatine was her grandfather. And who the hell let Palpatine clap their cheeks? Yeah, let that sink in. He probably said do it too. Anyways, to wrap it all up, I admitted it the same as the next guy. 
Disney should have never revived this trilogy if they had any remote care or preservation or respect. But I'm no dummy. I understand the immense money they made and they are making off owning this property. Maybe deep down I just wish they started off with something new and different. The point is two-thirds of this trilogy are in my opinion soulless and devoid of almost any worthy filmmaking. The one that wasn't a fluke and a tour gone rogue in the mouse house. It disappoints me that this is how things shaped up to be with this finale. You can say what you want about the prequels, but if all that it takes is shallow nostalgia in order to appease fan demands rather than actually play around with the mythos in an interesting manner, I'm finding more ground to which I can respect even those films' lowest points. I don't need to be reminded every few minutes or so about how great any of the films in the original trilogy are, because that should be something I know already at this point, as it's basic knowledge being told again. For the conclusion to the entire saga, I would expect so much more than a needlessly convoluted remake of Return of the Jedi, without either the thematic resonance or visual appeal that made a worthy conclusion to its own trilogy. Anyways, you've been listening to Filmatic. I couldn't agree with my takes with appreciate my effort and enthusiasm to bring you an interesting podcast please consider subscribing or following and following at filmatic podcast on instagram also if you're on itunes please feel free to give a rating see you next time we plan to talk about the new masterpiece 